0: Well, today marks another milestone in our journey here at Christ the Redeemer. In fact, the the stole that I'm wearing this morning was made by some of the first children of Christ the Redeemer uh, when, when we started the church, and I'll talk more about that in just a minute. But as we pause to observe for a moment, one thing that we're observing, as I said in the opening announcements, is that this is the second year we've been meeting here in this building, our shopping center home, if you will. And we're also observing that we're in our seventh year of existence at all as a congregation. The record books tell an interesting story. And in, in our first year together, which was the year 2008, we didn't really have very many formal public worship services like we're having right now, largely because, well, we just didn't really have a place to meet. We couldn't afford anything. So instead, we spent a lot of time meeting for dinner parties and 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 Bible stories and just just talking about how we were going to figure out how to do this thing. Uh, the first year was spent a, a lot of time just gathering together a community of people. Well, in January 2009, we did start meeting monthly for worship services, and actually our services were in the evening at first, and, and that way folks who had gone to church could just come worship with us again in the evening if they were so inclined and just figure out who we were are who we were and, and, what, and what we were up to. And then in the fall of 2009, we started meeting uh, weekly, every Sunday morning by the fall of 2009, and it went something like this. We'd have 60 people, and then 54 people, and then 42 people, and some Sundays I wondered if it would be me and my family and a few crickets hanging out for church. Uh, But then we had our first ever Easter service, and it was the first time that over 100 souls showed up to worship with us. We were so excited. We had 138 people at our first Easter worship service, and then the next week we had a whopping 56 people. <laughs> so back to the grindstone, back to prayer, back to patience, back to persistence. And and those of you who are with us uh, those in those years, you remember that we met at LMRA in the smaller ballroom, and, and we turned... The worship space to to the east because that that kind of looked normal for our 42 to 56 to 138 people who might show up on any given Sunday, and and when we when we wanted to look like we were growing and, and really moving up to to big times we turned <laughs> the worship space a different direction because it, then it looked like we were really doing something and in fact we were we were starting to grow a little bit and it was neat to see the formation of the community room uh, the community in the and the smaller ballroom where we, we had a partition between two rooms, and when the worship service was over, we'd move the partition back, and then we'd go have fellowship right next door to where we were having the worship service. And it was, it was a pretty awesome experience. Well, eventually, and this was a huge step forward through prayer and, and finances, we moved all the way into the large ballroom in the same facility. And the large ballroom was awesome because... In many ways, it looked like church. It was it was more rectangular shaped. It had higher ceilings, but, but you all recall that, that it also had mirrors on the walls, um, and that was a little weird. Uh, and, but we're all aware of, of the famous or infamous, however you do want to think about it, disco ball that, that literally hung from the ceiling there in the big LMR ballroom that was our church home. Many, many stories. Some of them are true, Um, some of them are legends now about the disco ball that used to hang from from the large worship space. But in that disco ballroom, in that room, I was installed as your first rector in 2011. And in that ballroom, Father Mark actually was ordained to the priesthood, and that was and is still the largest, I think you know everybody in Dallas-Fort Worth. We had something like 275 people at that worship service. And, and what an awesome experience that was for all of us. And, and as we know, we, we continue to grow. Excuse me, to grow. Our staff grew, our congregation grew, our ministries grew. And in those years, we, we played together and, and we prayed together. We had this thing called Mass in the Grass that actually was inspired by Amy Howe because when they were planting St. Peter and Paul and she was a kid, they had Mass in the Grass. And that was a wonderful memory for her and for her family So we just brought that in as part of our DNA. We played flag football games. We played kickball games. And all of us, I think, will remember the multiple baptisms that we did in the swimming pool on a rainy day in July. I mean, it was absolutely pouring down water on that day. But what a glorious celebration, that swimming pool at LMRA, as we had, what, four or five baptisms on that Sunday morning. And and just awesome, awesome worship, awesome, awesome family. Well, as you also know, we also planted a church along the way in Waco, Texas, which itself is now meeting on Sunday mornings with an average attendance of about 85 people and really beginning to make an impact in the community in Waco and on the campus there at Baylor. And then quite suddenly, after a very short four years at LMRA, God decided it was time for us to move. So He decided, I think, and I think we would all agree, that we were supposed to become a more permanent part of the community. So we moved from a temporary space that we were paying for Sunday by Sunday and Wednesday by Wednesday when we used it on Wednesdays, and, and he moved us here. Uh, I like to say about a six iron distance from where we were <laughs> meeting before. I relate to everything in terms of golf, so it's about, about a six iron, maybe a four iron or something like that, but not very far away did he move us down from LMRA when, when they literally just sold the property and told us we had to move. We, we weren't prepared for that, we weren't necessarily ready for that, but, but God was ready and, and and here we are. Well, I think we all realize this incredible nexus we're in here in Southwest Fort Worth where <laughs> commerce is thriving, where population is growing and highways and byways are literally expanding. And today we stand at the intersection of places like Alito and Burleson, which are truly exploding at the seams, growing by leaps and bounds. And I wonder if we can think even now about planting future churches by this congregation, which we pray for every single Sunday morning here in this worship service. Our vision has always been to be a church that plants churches. We've successfully planted one in Waco. Can we envision even now planting future churches by this congregation? As I said, right now the roads are growing literally between our front door and the TCU campus where young people are starving to know the truth. Starving to know the truth of the gospel. A mission field as fertile as anywhere in the country is, exists right at the TCU campus. Will we, as we pray, will we send out missionaries from this congregation to reach and win the TCU campus for Jesus Christ? My friends, could God possibly have planted us in any more fertile soil than we are in right now? Could there be a better environment for us to preach and proclaim the gospel, and will we Christians rise to meet the challenges of the new days that are dawning before us? We know that there is great hostility in the world today against Christianity. Our former senior warden, Mike O'Brien, stood right here last Sunday, and he talked about it during his stewardship talk, how he acknowledged that our own Glenn Peta, who, as I've said many times before, sold his dental practice to become a full-time missionary and literally travels all over the world to preach and proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He and his wife do that. In fact, he just got back Friday night from a mission, a multiple mission in Africa, where he works with bishops and clergy and, and in their diocese to help encourage them to stand firm in the faith because of the tremendous persecution that they're facing right now for the name of Jesus Christ. And we fund Summer and Guy Benton, our missionaries in Cambodia. They they will actually be keynote speakers at the new Wineskins Conference for Global Mission, which I've been telling you about, and I hope, I pray, that we will make plans to attend that in full force as members here of Christ the Redeemer, where the Global Anglican Communion, descends upon the hills of North Carolina and they gather to discuss the mission of the church to the world. That's what the New Wineskins Conference is all about. In fact, my friends, we are called by God to participate in events like this for as we heard Jesus say in this morning's gospel reading, we have two primary commands to which we are to be obedient. We are to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. This is the first and great commandment. And the second, Jesus says, is like it. We are to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Now, I I don't know about you, but I'm pretty good at loving myself. I, I do a great job of taking care of all of my basic needs and several of my wants along the way. I get up in the morning and I take a shower. I make sure I don't smell. I comb my hair. I even put gel in it. I wash my clothes. Sometimes I exercise. I read. I do a great job of taking care of myself. And Jesus commands me to love my neighbor in the same way that I love myself. And so together we must meet regularly to consider how to do that because I don't know about you. When I when I get off and, and get isolated from community, I, I actually start loving myself really well at that point. I can I can give in to all kinds of indulgences and proclivities that I want to do when, when I take things on my own terms. But when I gather in community, it reminds me to love my neighbor as much as I love myself. We need to meet together at these kinds of events to do these kinds of things. So I don't think it's merely coincidental that these are our scriptures for this morning because along with the Great Commission, which tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, we have taken up this, the Great Command, as part of our mission statement here at Christ the Redeemer. Together, the Great Command and the Great Commission are the guideposts for everything that we do. All that we are and all that we do are guided by the Great Command and the Great Commission. And now we are, it seems, at our own internal nexus here at Christ the Redeemer. Our vestry has demonstrated incredible financial responsibility. And our bishop has put some of his own diocesan skin in the game, if you will, to help us balance our budget, to help us pay off our construction loan for this space four years early. We've paid off a $175,000 loan four years early. Early. Thanks be to God, and thanks be to the vestry and the bishop and the cooperative work. This is what a diocese looks like at its best. And now we're preparing to turn in our stewardship cards for 2016. You are directly and substantially determining our future. Let me say that again. You are directly and substantially determining our future. The level of your generosity and the level of your sacrificial giving materially, together with your time and talent, it is, as we say, the temporal fuel to help us light a spiritual fire here at Christ the Redeemer. And even now, my friends, we are participating in an emblematic event of these things. A calling from our past through our present and into our future, a sign and a substance, even a sacramental moment for us of what was, what is, and what is yet to come. For today, we are about to celebrate the baptism of Joseph Daniel Pollard, where he will truly, not metaphorically, not abstractly, but concretely be delivered from the spiritual stronghold of the world, the flesh, and the devil, and by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit will be an inheritor of light and life in the kingdom of God. That's actually going to happen when he's baptized. So may the charge that I'm about to give Father Mark and Amy and their family also serve as a common charge to all of us here at Christ the Redeemer as it has been the transcendent charge to the church Catholic throughout time and space. As it is written from the words we read from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the ordinances which the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God that you and your children and your children's children by keeping all of his statutes and commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may, may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, O church, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, O church, and be careful to do them. And note that the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And these words which I command you on this day shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign upon your head. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My dearly beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, last Sunday I told you in no uncertain terms that our sin is the root of all that is wrong in this world. And today we are given the remedy, the anecdote which is, the living and active Word of God. It is the prescription for the pain. It is the medicine for the malady. It is the spiritual muscle that we must exercise in our sin-sick world. Do you love the Word of God? Do you love the love letter that your God has written to you so that you will know how to live this life, come what may? This is our lesson from the past. And it is through those who applied the lessons of the past that we are able to do, right here at Christ the Redeemer, what we do today. They applied these lessons individually. They applied them corporately. They applied them across countries and across continents. They made the fundamental decision that, come what may, they would build their lives upon the Word of God. And it is by their work and by their witness that we are inheritors of what we have today. And it is by your current offering that we're able to do what we do today. Seven short years ago, you all began to see. You saw an opportunity to redirect something that had run terribly off course. But more than that, you saw a transcendent vision to capture this generation for Jesus Christ. That decision combined with that vision have made us who we are today, among other things, celebrating the baptism of Joseph Daniel Polly. And these, then, are the things that will speak into our future. By the witness of the past, the saints who have gone before, by the work of the present, the saints who are working now, we are becoming what we will one day be. And this morning, you are not just witnessing the baptism of Joseph Polly, You and I are participating in it. For in just a moment, we will all stand and we will say, we will help him know and love Jesus Christ. You and I will make that commitment to ensure to the best of our ability that this young child will be raised to love the Lord with all of his heart and to love his neighbor as himself. And we all know what that means, that we must do our very best Our very best to embrace and hold fast to the Christian faith once delivered to all the saints. For just as Moses' charge was given to individuals, to families, and to the family, the charge has not changed, not even one bit. And the question is there for us to consider. Will you and I, in the power of the Holy Spirit, capture this generation for Jesus Christ will we do that what do you want the future of this congregation to become by God's grace it's in your hands you are the determiners you are the fathers and mothers of this church who will establish its foundation and who will leave for generations to come the legacy of what this spiritual home will be therefore as we participate in this baptism Think of Joseph Polly, but think also of your own children. And think of their children. And then think of the children who right here in southwest Fort Worth have never heard the name of Jesus Christ, who have no idea what it is to participate in a church home. Will we love our neighbor as ourselves to bring them to a church family that they might believe and be baptized? Dear friends in Christ, this is our time. This is the place God has put us, and this is what he has given us to do. So as we move forward from this milestone, may I extend this invitation to us. Dare to dream. Dare to dream, and then decide to do. To God be the glory, now and forever.